0: This is the Horse Radio Network. You're listening to the Athletic Equestrian Riding in College podcast. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten, and I spent over 35 years coaching collegiate equestrian teams. Want to ride like a varsity athlete? Sally Batten's book, The Athletic Equestrian, is now available to order. Whether competing in the show ring or riding at home on the trail, every rider wants to be more secure and balanced in the saddle and effective with their aids. This innovative guide uses highly effective exercises honed over Coach Sally's 35-year coaching career to develop your athleticism on horseback. This proven rider training system will sharpen position and vastly improve your skills in the saddle. Order now at www.athleticequestrian.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Athletic Equestrian Riding and College Podcast Series. I'm your podcast host, Sally Batten. And as you know, I've been talking to collegiate coaches and riders and organizations. And today I'm featuring the coach of the Endicott College equestrian team, Megan Martin. And Endicott is located in Massachusetts, I want to say in Beverly. Yep,
1: right on the the water, yep.
0: Okay, and uh, Megan started her riding career in South Florida, where she spent most of her junior year showing on the A hunter jumper circuit. She attended Skidmore College in Saratoga Springs, New York, where she graduated with a BA in English in 2008. A member of the IHSA team, she helped the team clinch the Zone Championship all four years, which twice sent the team to a reserve championship position at the national finals. So I probably saw you ride. Megan was the top-ranked open rider in Zone 1 during the... Uh, 2007 2008 season although i think that's zone 2 and went on to earn fourth place in the prestigious Cashion Cup in the 2008 national finals and uh so megan welcome to the podcast
1: thank you happy to be here
0: and and skidmore's in zone 2 so that's yes, yeah two. That because different. zone zone 1 is is my new england zone
1: yes that's also awesome how endicott
0: So let's, let's start by talking about you and, and how you started riding and where you started riding and then a little bit about your college search, because obviously that's what we're uh, talking about here. For sure. And and, um, then let's talk about the Endicott equestrian team.
1: Great. Well, I was born and raised in South Florida, uh, Miami specifically, and grew up riding with Jennifer Bieling and Karen Flynn down there. Um, my mom had horses when I was born, although she had Arabian horses Mm. and we're just sort of a horse family. My grandmother and my great grandmother also rode. And so when I was a little girl, I really liked ponies. I had been around them since my mom had horses and a good friend of hers at work, her granddaughter rode at Jennifer Bealing and Jen Kearney's barn in Miami and said, why don't you come out, bring Megan out for some pony rides. Um, we can get her into some lessons there. So that's what we did at about five, I think, maybe four. I started taking really formal lessons there. And by the time I was seven, I was showing in the small ponies and I just kind of kept going. Um, I moved to Wellington in middle school and started riding with Penny Lombardo.
0: Oh, that's handy, isn't it? Yeah, it's handy. (laughs) Wellington
1: did not look like it looks now for anyone who did not see it in the 90s. It's very, very different Uh, when we moved in. (laughs) I think half the houses around us were empty lots. And now you can't find a dime-sized property there.
0: Right. Yeah. Considering that people fly from all over the country to show at Wellington, I've never met someone that actually lived there.
1: Yes. I trail, my ponies lived at home and I railroad my ponies to the horse show. We actually, at one point in seventh grade, I had a medium pony named Rain Sprite, who was lovely, Uh, Mm -hmm. but he was unbelievably lazy and a little bit opinionated. And he didn't like to stay at the horse show. So I'd show him on Saturday. We would ride him home. And on Sunday morning, I would get up and I'd ride him back to the medium pony division. And then we'd ride him home on Sunday night. Oh, that's
0: amazing. I love that.
1: Yeah. It was a very unique style of living in Wellington because we showed on the Wellington circuit, but it was just home for us.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah. And I had been going
1: there since I was a little kid from Miami. So Wellington was always just home. And now I go back to train or visit or whatever. And it's wildly different. I almost, you know, can't find my way around a little bit sometimes. (laughs) But So I lived there and then I was getting to show a little bit more and I wanted to travel. And Penny Lombardo, who is one of my favorite people still today said, you know, if you really want to do this, you need to train with somebody who's going to move you up to the next level and help you carry on and go to big horse shows. And I'm not really leaving South Florida right now. So if that's something you want to do, I think you should ride with Jeff Teal. And Hmm. she introduced me and took me over for my very first lesson with him. Um, And I rode with him for about three years. It was awesome. I learned so much. He's also one of my favorite people. Uh, I think he's hilarious. And then actually in my early 20s, when I was going to be going down to Wellington to work for Mindy Darst for the winter, I was getting there a month or two early. And I called Jeff and said, hey, you know, do you need help? He was like, absolutely. Come on over. Uh, And I got to ride for him for a little while as a professional, which was a great full circle moment for me. Yeah. Um, he put me in a USHJ trainer symposium down there with Candace King. He needed an extra rider. He's like, you want to you want to ride in it? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I've gotten a lot of really good opportunities like that along the way, mostly by just calling people and saying, do you need some help? And they always go, sure.
0: Absolutely. Well, and and that's a valuable lesson, isn't it? You know, a lot of people are like, yeah, a lot of people are like, how do I get ahead? How do I do this? Who, are, you know, are they going to come to me? No, no, you need to reach out and, yeah. and be bold and not your mother. You, yes, need to do it. you,
1: and the answer to how do I get people to notice me and how do I get jobs is you be the hardest worker in the room in every room you stand in. Love so it. that's just how it has to be. I tell my girls that all the time. Winning isn't necessarily about who's the prettiest. It's about who's working the hardest mm. and it doesn't happen at the horse shows. It happens at home. Who's working the hardest at home to get ahead? Not just who's sitting in the tack the most, not just who's riding without their stirrups the most, who's in the barn the most, who cares the most. That's who's going to end up moving on in the long run. Maybe not who wins that weekend. Long-term, that's your success path right there. Uh, My mom was really adamant that I did most, if not all of the work myself. Like I said, when I lived in Wellington, my ponies lived at home. I got up every morning and I mucked the stalls before I went to school or I lessened at seven o'clock in the morning before I went to middle school.
0: Wow.
1: When I got home in the afternoon, it was my responsibility to turn the ponies in, feed them dinner, do night check, close up the barn from the time I was 12. So that was normal for me. You know, right. I got to college with girls who had shown all over the country in big, big horse shows and hardly knew how to tack up their horse.
0: That's right. Um,
1: it was kind of mind blowing for me who had, always tacked up my horse. I mean, I obviously was at Barnes where it's full service. Like Jeff Teals, you walk in, they hand you your horse. I remember one day I tried to go put my horse's halter on and the grooms ran after me. Like they were going to be in (laughs) trouble because they weren't getting their horse fast enough. And I was like, I really just want to take my horse out for grass. Yeah. I'll bring him back. It's okay.
0: Um,
1: that was a weird experience for me to have somebody just bring me my horse. That was very odd, but Uh, when I was in high school, I realized that I definitely wanted to ride in college, started looking at schools. I knew I wanted to be in the Northeast and I think it was my junior year when I was at Harrisburg. You know, a lot of schools have tents or tables set up behind the scenes at, uh, metal finals. And I walked down the aisle and Cindy was sitting there giving out pamphlets for Skidmore. And I went,
0: this looks Cindy, like a good school. Cindy Ford, who was, Cindy the, Ford. Coach yep. uh, Cindy was the coach of Skidmore for a long time.
1: About almost 30 years. I think she was the coach there. She retired two years ago. Mm -hmm. And so that was probably 2006 when I met her and she handed me some pamphlets. And I was like, I will see you next year. I am. This is it. Yeah. really. Oh yeah. I was like, I want to go to Skidmore. And my mom, who was always the practical, let's look at all the schools that we should apply to. Right. We flew up to Boston. We looked at BC, BU, Amherst, Smith, Mount Holyoke all those schools. And we just kept driving West to get to Albany and to get to Saratoga Springs. And we literally drove every school. I was like, nope, nope, nope. We drove into Skidmore and I went, yep, this is where I want to go to school. Wow. Um,
0: <laughs> you know what? I, I've heard that now quite a few times since yeah. I started my first podcast here.
1: Yeah. You, yeah. you just know, I have so many teenagers who are so worried about where they're going to end up. And I just say, go visit. You're going to know, you're going to know what feels like home to you. Right. Um, and Skidmore felt like home immediately. It reminded me so much of my high school actually. So it was perfect. The barn was very close to campus. I could bring my horse. I liked Cindy. Actually, the first day I went to tour Skidmore, I'll never forget this. I opened the office door at Skidmore and I walked in and Cindy was on the phone with Jeff Gogol, who's a trainer. And she looked at me over the counter and she said, you look very familiar. Do I know you? It's <laughs> like, I, I met you a couple years ago at, at Metal Finals, I said, um, but you might have known me. I mean, I, I was riding with Jeff Teal a little while ago and she was like, ah, what is your name? I said, Megan Martin. And to Jeff on the phone, she said, I have a Megan Martin standing in front of me. Ah, yeah. Okay, I'll call you later. I know you. I know you. I remember you when you rode with Jeff. And I was like, Oh,
0: I don't remember meeting you. Wow, that's that incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that
1: is super. Um and she was welcoming immediately. She was like, would you like to practice with the team tomorrow night? I was like, yeah, oh my gosh. I definitely would. Uh, yeah. And I got to practice with the team, which for anyone who tore a skid mark, that's not normal. It was just a fluke. I don't know why she was being that nice that <laughs> night. It almost <laughs> never happened in the four years I was there to anybody else. I think maybe one or two other times in my four years, another yeah. you know high school student got to practice with us. But right. I was just lucky that day, I think. Uh, and that was it. It sealed the deal for me. That was the only school I wanted to apply to. I was. Made to apply to others, which I applied to Skidmore early decision and then rescinded all my other applications.
0: Wow. So wow. That was it.
1: just that's a bird in the background. Even like
0: I, I can hear. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was a monkey. <laughs> um, let me close that door so they stop
1: squawking at me.
0: So uh, after Skidmore, so you were on the team, obviously had great success. You were the yeah. the on rider. Yep. So, I my, senior
1: writer my senior year, that was awesome. We got to show at the LA equestrian center. Very cool experience.
0: Yep. Yep. I was there. Yep. Sure.
1: And then I left and I left with an English degree heading off to do summer camp for a summer and then work with the Chronicle of the horse as an intern.
0: And is that, fun. is that what you thought you were going to do is be a writer totally. writer? Yeah. Yep. yep.
1: I totally thought I was going to be a writer or teach English. Um, I've always wanted to teach in some facility I started teaching a little bit in high school and I nannied a lot, babysat. I nannied through college and at Skidmore, I started teaching lessons on the weekends for money. So, I mean, I don't know how professional it was. It was like a $10 under the table sort of deal right? uh, Right. in the middle of my burn managing day. But, you know, I started helping out. And then I took a class at Skidmore. Actually, they, in addition to having uh, their team, they have actual classes that you can take. And so they had an instruction in teaching class that I took. And so I got to teach an entire beginner you know, class of Skidmore students for an entire semester. Oh, nice. So that was under, you know, the tutelage of another trainer there. So that was really a great experience to learn how to teach. Right. And then I left and I was like, okay, bye horse world. Um, I'm off to magazines. I'm off to be a writer or a teacher. And actually CJ Law, who's the coach at Mount Holyoke saw me at summer camp that summer because she coaches a, or she runs a camp that's right near our camp in Maine. Right. Right. We were at the same little horse show together. She said, So who are you working for next year? And I went, I'm working for the Chronicle of the Horse. And she just stared at me like I was crazy and said, No, I meant, What train are you? What what barn are you going to? And I said, I'm not going to turn pro. She just went, Oh, we really thought you were going to turn pro. Mm. Are you sure? Are you sure that you don't want to? I was like, I've not really given it much thought. That was not a career path that was open to me. Uh, right. from my family's perspective so that was not something right. I considered and she was just like you call me if you want to turn pro like I can help you find a job for sure i personally I would turn pro I was like oh okay thanks and I called a couple of other trainer friends I knew who were all like yeah you should definitely do this Aww, you love to teach. Nice. I don't yeah. know why you wouldn't you want to teach teach this yeah like, huh okay ran it by my mom who was like absolutely not career choice don't do it um and i said i'll make you a deal i'll go to the chronicle for you know one season and then in the winter i'll go do a horse thing and then i'll make my decision i'll spend a full you know half year or five months in each position and i'll make my choice then and it took about three weeks at the chronicle for me to realize i do not belong in an office i belong outside
0: oh that sounds familiar
1: yep and by the time the internship was over i was like great Great experience! I've now been published nationally. This is wonderful. If I want to take this somewhere further in the future, I'm going to go be a professional. And I rescinded my amateur status, and off I went at 22.
0: So nice, yeah. Nice. And then, and then, briefly, what was your road that that brought you to? How'd you end up at Endicott?
1: So I uh, worked for Pam Hunt and Monica Hunt at Mas- in Massachusetts Cornerstone Farm. That was my first pro job. Stayed there for a little while. Decided I wanted to try venting. Um, and so I sort of swapped over. I bought a young event horse, swapped over to the event world, was a working student for Shannon Baker in New Hampshire and Aiken, South Carolina. And after that, I was like, hmm, eventing is great. Not for me. A little too scary. <laughs> I'm moving back to hunter jumpers. Uh, I was great until, like, I, I did compete through prelim, actually. Wow. But once the jumps get above about three, six, I'm out and, and
0: it's, it's not just the height, those fences they don't fall down. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you.
1: Yeah. I, it was the first time as a rider I had actually been scared to do something because I've yeah. been quite brave naturally. Yeah. And I just thought I don't want to ride scared. It makes me ride badly. I don't like this. So I'm going to go back to what I know. Went back to the hunter jumper world, moved around a bit. I actually had my own business for a little while, my own sales business um, with an ex. And we were back and forth from Florida to Massachusetts, six months out of the year for a couple of years. Yep. Yep. And then I decided I wanted to settle down and didn't want to be on the road as much. Um, and started working for Barn just here in Massachusetts. I moved my sales business into Shane Powell's and we worked together for a little while. And then I started working for Turning Point Show Stables, which is where I'm at now. Um, settled down, met my now wife. We then got married and we moved to South Carolina. I was there for four years working um First for Wendy Arndt and International Equestrian Connection for her. We did a lot of imports and sales horses down there and in Wellington. And then when I came back to Aiken, I was like, I really, really want to settle down. I don't want to go to Wellington anymore. Right. And just started working for myself and teaching and riding. And then I was approached by a good friend about running the USC Aiken Equestrian team down there because they were looking for a new coach. And I was like, wow, this is it. I have wanted to coach. I had to say forever, this is like my favorite part of the sport. Absolutely, I will take this. And coached them for a couple of years. I think our first season, we had three girls make it to zones, which is awesome. Nice. Um, None of them made it to nationals, unfortunately, but it was a really like very high point for that team, which is just a teeny tiny team. I think we had 11 or something. Right. Uh, And then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, we decided to move back north to be closer to family. So we came back to New Hampshire. I went back to Turning Point Show Stables, where I'd been before. Uh, Cheryl McLeod, who's lovely and like family to me, was very opening of her doors when I came back. And then, after a couple months of being there, I heard that Endicott was looking for a new coach, and um, Steph Andrea Tully, who had been their original coach, had reached out My to My good friend Steph. Yep. So Steph and Cheryl are also friends, and Steph reached out to Cheryl and said, "Hey, listen, I think you guys should take the team. I heard Megan's back; like she has college yeah. experience. I, I think you guys should go for this." And Cheryl called me and said, "You have to go apply."
0: Oh, good. Like, oh,
1: okay. So good. I ran online and I applied on the computer and we got a call two days later and started meeting with the athletic director and made plans and nice went from there.
0: So, so, th- so that's awesome. So let's talk about Endicott. I am very familiar with the team because I was when when Endicott was in our region, uh, Steph was the coach. And, yep. um, so, uh, you know, I'm very familiar with, uh, that part of it. And, uh, even Endicott used to have its own facility. I, if I'm remembering correctly,
1: no, they just no. use the facility that Steph taught out of.
0: Oh, okay. I'm right. even thinking way, way back. They Did may they... have,
1: not to my yeah. knowledge.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'll have to. It's I'll... one of the
1: oldest teams at Endicott. Although when yeah. I asked them for information about what year it started, no one was quite sure.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, just talk now about the Endicott team. Uh, I. You know, I'm a high school student. I'm interested in riding in college and talk about Endicott, where it is, how many students, where, how far the barn is. Just tell me everything about Endicott Equestrian.
1: So Endicott is in Beverly, Massachusetts. Our barn is in East Kingston, New Hampshire. It's about a 50, 45 minute drive. Um, We usually carpool with students. So we work practices around student schedules And around our barn schedule. So because we have a busy lesson program that usually kicks off, especially for the boarders in the afternoon at about 4 p.m., we try to run team practice anywhere between, you know, 8.30 and 4.30, Tuesday through Fridays. So it's all worked out around student schedules. They practice once a week. Um, They are welcome to take extra lessons, but the school pays for one practice a week. Um, They're usually group hour lessons. I try to put two or three kids in together so they can watch each other ride and ride for a little bit longer since they're only riding once a week. I have walk trot students. They usually go in a half hour private by themselves. And we just work right. that out. Right. um Endicott is a varsity sport, for ed- equestrian. Although, oh, okay, we're not, we're not actually NCAA, obviously, because NCAA right. have equestrian. It's right. considered a varsity sport there, which is great. It means the right. girls get two lift practices a week with an athletic trainer on campus. They have access to the athletic trainers for massage therapy, physical therapy, um, sports adjustments, you know, figuring out what exercises are going to help them. Um, They do concussion testing on campus before everybody starts. It's very formal, which is great. It means the school has our back if anything happens and they pay for a lot. They pay for coaching. They pay for travel to horse shows. They'll give you a stipend for food at horse shows. They'll pay for your entries at horse shows. Nice. They pretty much pay for everything, which is fabulous. It's one of the few schools I've been to that really just You want to be on the riding team? Here you go. Pretty much all you have to pay for is your gas to get there and your $45 IHSA membership fee at the beginning of the year, Nice. Um, which is great. We have seven, eight school horses that we normally practice on. Um, A couple, you know, sometimes we'll have sales horses that'll rotate through the program for the more advanced riders. And we have a really nice indoor ring and a really huge, beautiful outdoor ring for when the weather allows us up in New Hampshire. Uh, The farm is beautiful. It's very relaxing and peaceful. Nice. And I think that's it for tryouts. We do do tryouts on the team. I unfortunately cannot take every rider that I want because we're capped uh, because the school pays for things. They have a budget that we have to work within. So I'm capped kind of the number of riders I can carry, which is about 20, which is great. It's a pretty big team, but I definitely have more than 20 students who would like to be on the team. So we do tryouts at the beginning of the year. Everybody comes up to the barn together, old riders, new riders, et cetera. I usually have... The older riders that have already been there ride first, not as a true tryout, just as sort of a school up for the horses. So the new riders that they're trying out can see the horses go similar to how you'd run an IHSA show. Right. And then I let the riders, the new riders that are trying out get on in small group lessons and we just run it as a lesson. So I can see them ride. can see them interact with other people, stuff like that. And then in a couple of days I make my decision and we set up practices throughout the week.
0: Um, So how, Because the IHSA has everything from walk trot up to open. So walk trot is now called introductory. Where do you find your introductory riders?
1: We have been super lucky, actually. Um, One of our introductory riders this year was a kid who had a neighbor who had horses. So she was never really given formal instruction of any kind until she got to college, but went over and like ponied around on her friend's pony next door. So she could steer and walk and stop and she felt comfortable on a horse. So she was an easy shoe in. And when she found out there was riding on campus, she was like, oh, that's cool. Like I can actually get formal instruction. Yeah. Another rider that we have, same sort of thing, rode at summer camp as a little kid, you know, four weeks on every summer for a couple summers, but never really got anywhere past really walk trot ish. Right. Found out there was a riding team. Was like, wait, someone will pay for me to ride? Absolutely.
0: Nice. We got her.
1: So we've gotten lucky to just get people that way—people who rode a little bit when they were younger and then saw it as an available thing. I think we're lucky in that Endicott pays for things because
0: yeah.
1: at um, at USC Aiken, the hardest part about getting a walk trot rider is that horses are expensive, as we know, and getting someone who doesn't know anything about horses to suddenly commit to paying a lot for horses for a semester. Is right. a big deal, especially if they don't know if they can ride or not. Right. So makes it easier for us. But yeah, intro riders are definitely the hardest riders to find and open riders. Um, yeah. Open riders these days, I found a lot of them, even my students who are high schoolers, they want to go to an NCAA school. Um, I honestly, as I try to be honest with people about this a lot, I oftentimes recommend that they do not try to go to an NCAA school if they want to ride in college. Because the matter of it is that NCAA schools really take the top of the top, right. and if you're not heading to medal finals to hope to get a ribbon, you're probably not going to be showing for Auburn or UGA
0: right. or Arizona
1: State, whatever it is. Yep. Arizona State, you're not going to. You're going to be on the bench. So if you want to show in college, find an IHSA team. Right, right.
0: And um, how big is Endicott? And I assume it's Division Three, so you don't offer any scholarships
1: no scholarships. Um, yep. I think we're actually D2. It's about 2,500 kids on campus, not a huge school, beautiful campus though, right on the water. I mean, like you walk up and there's two private beaches to the ocean right on campus.
0: Wow. That's cool.
1: It is a stunning campus. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how, how about, um, do you know anything about the financial aid at the school? Like our financial aid
1: is, is, pretty good. Um, I have a lot of students actually on financial aid or who are on academic scholarships. They do a lot of academic scholarships. Um, I, you have to talk to someone in financial aid to know the specifics of it, but I do know that it's pretty readily available and most of my girls, if not all of them, have gotten it a, a fair amount at least. Um, one unique thing that Endicott does is they make you take three internships while you were there throughout your four years. You nice. can do them over the summer. You can do them over winter or spring breaks. And then your senior year one semester is an internship. Um, but because of that, you get a lot of
0: real life experience while you're in school. Right. And is, is Endicott well known for a certain major? You don't have an equine studies major, right? You don't
1: have an equine studies major. Um, they're actually, I think, known for their nursing major. They have a really great nursing program.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Which is unique kind of for a four-year school.
0: right. Right. And so you compete in, uh, for a while, Endicott was the only Massachusetts school in our region, and that changed. So you're in with the other Boston schools, right?
1: Correct. Yep. We're zone one region four. So we're in with BU, BC, Tufts, uh, Bridgewater State, Bentley. I'm trying to remember the
0: others. (laughs) There are
1: 11 schools.
0: Yeah. And does um, Endicott host?
1: We have in the past. This past year we did not because it was my first year coaching with them. So we wanted to and everyone's first year out of COVID. So we wanted to see how things ran, but we will be hosting this year. So
0: Okay. And and how are you going to do that with so few horses? Are you going to rent horses?
1: That's our plan. I'm hoping I'll have somebody who will step up who will want to co-host with us, who can bring some horses, but I think my first route is to reach out to our boarders who have very lovely horses and say, would you like to lease us your horse for the day? Oh, nice. Uh, since They're already on property. And I have a feeling maybe five or six will say yes to letting them do some flat classes, which would be great. Cause that's the majority of our, horse show anyways. Um, and then we have a couple people in the area who regularly lease out horses like Debra Soja at Oak Hill, yep. um, Jassa Williams. So, you know, local New Hampshire people. Um, so I just plan on asking them to bring horses. We'll have to lease them for the day, obviously.
0: But. Right. And, you know, that, uh, that I'm just thinking because Deb Wasoja just rented horses to me for my Athletic Equestrian League national finals. And she yeah. her horses go all over. That yeah. would be an interesting podcast is, you know, really, we, uh, the, the IHSA and IEA and AEL really couldn't function without
1: these oh, people that,
0: that that rent out their horses and and Absolutely. bring the horses to you. So yeah, that, and Deb is a, great.
1: Deb's great. Yeah. I have one of her old students on my team. Actually, Uh, we've been friends a long time. And oh, nice. Back in IA days, I love Deb, and she her horses are amazing. I mean, yeah. they are such perfectionists at this job. They just know it so well.
0: That's right, and that that's what you need as a show host. You don't want any uncertainty coming into your show day. I wanted everybody. To, like a no re ride day was the mm-hmm. highlight of my horse show, or Absolutely. especially at our AEL nationals, we had nobody fall off. We had a couple re rides, but that that is the tribute. The other horses at our nationals were so it was Deb's horses, Mount Holyoke's horses, and Muddy Brooks' horses. Yeah. So really, a shout out to to those places because you you want everyone to be judged fairly. By having fair mounts, and those those horses that travel around to the different locations are amazing. I
1: think it's definitely the hardest part of this corner of our industry is finding available horses. And from the owner's perspective, you know, a barn owner's perspective, it's hard to want to lease your horses out to a program like that because if something happens to that horse on that day, you're the one that walks home with the vet bill and yeah. a loss of horse, or right. you know, Loss of use for however many weeks it takes that horse to recover. Right. So it's a big risk for horse owners to bring their horses. And our program literally could not run without people taking that risk for us. So we're very, very appreciative.
0: Right. Right. So in our final few minutes here, Megan, talk about what you like to do besides horses.
1: Well, horses have been basically my entire life, eat, sleep and breathe forever, as long as I can remember. But uh, obviously I was an English major. I like to read a lot. Always been a bookworm. And I really like to garden. I'm looking at my window at my garden right now. I'm a little bit crazy about it. I started planting 75 seedlings about a month ago, and wow, them all last night. Um, I like to watch things grow in general. I think I've realized I like to watch riders grow. I like to break oh. baby ponies and watch them grow. Nice. I have an almost three-year-old daughter who I love watching grow. Uh, I just like to grow things.
0: <laughs> nice. Well, also. I was thinking probably planting 75 seedlings is meditative, yes. right? Where, yes. as as riding instructors, all day long, we're answering questions, we're talking, we're telling people what yeah. to do. And when you, like during COVID, I started doing puzzles. I've never yeah. been able to sit down. And I was like, I need something to occupy my brain. And it was meditative. My brain went numb, you know, yeah. for that. That's a little time. bit how
1: gardening is for sure. It's very yeah. meditative.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Megan. Thank you for sharing a little bit about you and also about Andicott Equestrian. Thank you for listening to the Athletic Equestrian podcast. If you'd like more information on this podcast or any of our other podcasts, you can contact me at athleticequestrian at gmail.com. This podcast was produced by Jack Boyata and the music is by Kitcher.